Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you are today, listening to local news in social artistry, where we get to talk to people that are building a more humane world from the inside out. I'm your host, Dick Dalton. Glad to have you with us. And in the studio today is a new friend, uh, Eli Solidum, who I saw uh, an article about in the Columbia, Missourian just last week and had an open slot. And I said, Eli, can you be on the radio with us today? <laughs> and welcome, Eli. <laughs> Hello, happy to be here. I've never done something like this before, so. Well, uh, I hope you feel comfortable. Uh, it's hot outside. It's cool in here. Comfortable <laughs> chair. You got your drink with you. And uh, you are a grad student or a graduate of Mizzou. Yep. And I'm grad of Mizzou a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> We're a little different in age, but uh, <laughs> you, you have a lot of travel already mm -hmm. under your belt. Mm -hmm. um, Tell, tell the audience, tell the listening audience, Eli, um, <laughs> who you are, well, what are you doing? Okay, so uh, I'm Eli, I'm 24 years old, and I graduated from Mizzou about three years ago. I'm a 2016 grad, and following graduation, I, uh, I didn't have a job lined up, so I decided to travel for a little bit. At that time, I was kind of in social media marketing. I'd been in social media marketing since 2011, but... Um, you know, it's had its ups and downs. So there's very little stability in social media marketing. So part of me was leaning towards getting a job, but it didn't work out for me. So I decided to travel for a bit and that bit became uh, three years and still <laughs> going. Um, and I've kind of figured out a way to make a living off of doing it and picked up a few of my real passions along the way, kind of figured out that, um, you know, more of who I am, more of what I want to do, more of how I can be, you know, more of a, uh, have some sense of fulfillment in my life as opposed yeah. to doing uh, what everyone else was doing. Yeah. So uh, you are finding, so to speak, yourself from the inside out. You're exploring and, and as things come along, uh, they are, um, you're, you're feeling the right, the leads here, the things there. Mm -hmm. uh, your your story on the on the newspaper was uh, well. There was a lot of partying at first. <laughs> oh man! I mean, you were uh, ha having an alternate consciousness yeah. for a while. <laughs> so I got my start in traveling, uh, kind of studying abroad through Mizzou's programs. And at the time, you know, all of us are young. We're like 18 to 22 years old. So if you take if you put us in Europe for a month, like naturally we're gonna go to Amsterdam and go wild. So at the time, that was kind of like <laughs> what I thought traveling was. To me, it was a way to, you know, get drunk around the world with my friends. And, you know, that was a very narrow-sighted, narrow-minded kind of point of view at the time. But, I mean, I don't regret it. I was young, everyone goes through that phase. And, you know, some people uh, go through that phase for a lot longer than others. Um, and uh, after, I, I mean, I've decided that I love traveling after that, but, you know, my idea of what traveling was kind of changed over the years. Mm -hmm. So I created uh, this persona called the Partying Traveler when I was about 
21 years old. Mm -hmm. So when I was traveling the world, I would focus on that kind of like how to have fun all over the world. And then eventually I kind of expanded uh, or changed styles of traveling after graduation. I realized that I couldn't like afford to travel in nice hotels all the time and like go to all the fanciest clubs. So I kind of started figuring out how to travel on a budget and that introduced me to uh, the backpacking community of the world where people kind of, instead of staying at nice hotels, they stay in, they stay in uh, shared dorms. Uh, you know, so sometimes, I mean, and one time in Munich, I was sleeping under a tent with a hundred different people. There was like a hundred beds and we're all under the same tent. So, you know, you kind of give up a bit of I mean, a lot of privacy, you give up a lot of the comforts you have to kind of stretch your money out longer. And that introduced me to a lifestyle that, you know, I found much more exciting and much more fulfilling and rewarding because it introduced me to people of the world. Mm -hmm. um, I was making friends with people from countries that I would have never expected to be friends with. And it kind of, you know, gave me a more eye-opening view of traveling and I started focusing less on the getting drunk aspect of traveling and having fun and kind of finding stuff that made me you know f older and wiser <laughs> that kind yeah. of stuff yeah um it seems like you can only get drunk so many times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I still go through unless phases you, unless where... Unless you become addicted, and that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've gotten addicted. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes I go through phases where that side of me still comes out. Like, you know, there was this one time a few months ago where I was in Barcelona, and I ended up, like, staying out till 6 a.m. seven nights in a row. And I was like, I didn't know I still had that in me. But for the most part, you know, those days are long gone behind me. Mm -hmm. You... Uh, I've heard of couch surfing. Mm -hmm. Is couch surfing part of that uh, um, uh, mode of travel yeah. that you had some experience with, or is that already passed and now, um, or is it just a different kind of travel? I haven't had personal experience with couch surfing just because um, I kind of. Um, I don't need to really, couch surfing is kind of a free thing. Uh, a lot of people do it if they uh, really are short on money and I don't think I've reached that point where I desperately needed to have a place to crash for free. Um, but I know a lot of people do it uh, for the community aspect. It's almost like an Airbnb, but free. Mm -hmm. uh, people from around the world are willing to take people in literally for free and let them sleep at their place uh, just for the sake of, you know, making new friends helping a traveler out and you know in the future i think that i could be someone who hosts people while couch surfing but at this uh point in time i haven't actually done it myself but you know it is uh part of the whole budget travel aspect something that you know people really like to look into so the backpacking community is a a little different yeah. way of travel than than someone that would yeah bike and maybe do couch surfing uh, I think the backpacking community overall is uh, much younger. Um, ah. My first backpacking trip abroad was in uh, South America, and at the time, uh, I didn't realize that South America was kind of a, a difficult destination for younger travelers to travel to, so I was 22 at the time, and I was one of the younger people, and then that introduced me to the world of backpacking, and then I flew to Asia a few months later, and that was a completely different world when it came to backpacking. Everyone was 18, 19, they were in their gap years. All these Australians and uh, British people, just you know, cheap flights to Thailand, and then that's where you go for cheap booze, cheap parties, like 
all night long beach raves so it was a completely different environment than what i had been introduced to with backpacking and so finding that uh travel life and party balance uh when i was in asia was one of the harder <laughs> parts of uh um building my travel brand i guess and mm -hmm. you know finding a work-life balance and kind of leaning towards how to start a business while abroad and how to use my uh, skills that I learned from Mizzou and the business school to mm -hmm. continue uh, building a brand, building a company, and trying to make money while uh, traveling abroad. So you, you really are, uh, let's, let's go back before Mizzou. I, this, this whole building on building on building <laughs> really starts with where you were born okay because you, you you didn't start out at Mizzou mm -hmm. so I was born in the Philippines uh, in 1994 and three short years later my family and I immigrated to New York and um, that's kind of I barely I vaguely remember the Philippines but I grew up with such a Filipino upbringing that I identify as Filipino almost as much as I identify as American. Uh, I went back to the Philippines earlier this year mm. and it gave me such a big like uh, realization of where so much of my identity comes from. I was like, okay, these are my people. These are why I am the way I am, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just very different cultures, but the Filipinos have a very fun loving culture. You know, they were very laid back, very, you know, we're, seek out the best things in life. So wow. I think I got a big part of uh, who I am today from that. Mm -hmm. And then, but I also have the American mindset of kind of, uh, uh, what is the term? It's kind of like, um, the Philippines is definitely more community focused while the, uh, America is has that kind of individual focused mindset where you always should do what's best for yourself. So I kind of got both of those aspects from my upbringings. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where I got the whole uh, entrepreneurship side of things, but also have a laid back approach to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up in America. I've spent probably 17, 18 years here uh, in different parts of the country, New York, uh, New Hampshire. And then I ended up in Columbia, Missouri, which is, you know, <laughs> one of my favorite places in the country. <laughs> yes, my hometown. <laughs> uh, great. So, um, when you went back uh, this year to the Philippines, uh, actually the Philippines have been in the news with us, with uh, the president there yeah. and the different things that seem to be uh, very hammerish uh -huh. with his uh, style of, did you encounter any issues? No. Um, so where I was born in the Philippines, it's uh, the central region. It's called the Visayas, and the Philippines is split into three regions, Luzon, Visayas, Mindanao, and there's 8,000 islands. So the Philippines, you can be very distant from everything else that's going on in the oh, country. Okay. And I saw this like joke the other day where it was like Luzon, that's kind of the uh, political capital that's where the capital is so it said Luzon and then it showed a picture of people like protesting and then Mindanao it's kind of uh, the south which is one of the more dangerous parts of the country and it showed tanks rolling through the streets and then where I was from Visayas it just showed people drinking beer watching sunset <laughs> on a beach so you know the Philippines is a very diverse country and yeah. it's you know it's not um you know if you go looking for trouble you might find it but for the most part it is you can isolate yourself and seclude mm -hmm. yourself from all of that without even trying. Mm -hmm. 
And so you came to New York as a baby. Uh, yeah. Sir, and uh, the family made their go of it. Um, so my mom is a psychiatrist, so I actually really should look more into our history. But uh, she moved to America ahead of us. Mm. And then, because I know my younger sister was born in America in 1996 and I only moved there in 1998 I think so I actually need to figure out what happened there but I think <laughs> since she's a psychiatrist she was the one that got like the work permit to be able to work in the US and then eventually the rest of us were able to move abroad mm -hmm. so you know it's like a big sacrifice to be go from a country where you're familiar with everything where you have your family where you have um, all your friends to jump and make the leap to a country on the complete other side of the world and mm -hmm. you know try to build a better future for their children yeah and it it's happening yeah today it's yeah been going on for what thousands of uh -huh. years, people moving to try to build seek out road. yeah and with climate uh crisis going on we're going to see even more and mm -hmm. more uh people moving yeah. in order to protect their families and yeah um, maybe that's part of what's happening with uh, the movement from the south mm -hmm. or uh, even in Syria yeah. and the Middle East there's so much uh, drought uh -huh. in northern Africa and just yeah all over uh, especially with the, and the Pacific Islands too like you know oh the yeah. places like Kiribati and Vanuatu they're like expected to be underwater sooner rather than later exactly. and with the Philippines you know 8,000 islands some of those are bound to disappear with mm -hmm. and our coastline yeah ours <laughs> as well I mean it's gonna happen are, here <laughs> you don't even have to leave the country yeah exactly so when you came to Columbia uh, I suppose it, you came for school? Or yeah, I uh, got accepted into Mizzou and decided to go to school here. Mm -hmm. um, but you had already started trying to do some business. Yeah, so it was 2011 when I started in social media, and it was kind of more of a pipe dream at the time. It was, uh, I wouldn't say it was an ambition of mine to become social media, like prominent on social media, but it was kind of like, it was a new world. It was like the wild, wild west. And I was like, mm -hmm. I saw opportunity there. Yeah. So in 2011, I started making social media pages, but never really thought anything of it. I now, just is this thought- like a Facebook page? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. So I got my start in Twitter. Um, and you know, at the time I didn't know what was gonna happen with it. I didn't really have a, a vision for what was gonna happen. I was just like, okay, I can, I can tell jokes and I can be funny, so why shouldn't I have followers? But I didn't use my own persona at the time because I was like, who's gonna follow a 16-year-old kid from Missouri? So I like started building, uh, you know, different themed pages like comedy pages, uh, parody accounts, pages related to travel, dogs, anything that I thought could gain followers. My uh, freshman year room and I, and I even made this account called the Average Mizzou Student, where we would just tweet things that the average Mizzou student would do, and that actually gained quite a bit of traction it hit like mm -hmm. 5,000 followers at some point oh, yeah. but at the time I was like you know I didn't know what to do with any of it so you know 2011 I didn't make a single dime off social media 2012 I didn't make a single dime off social media 2013 my uh, I made my first sale I sold one of those accounts for $90 mm. and that's when I was like I could maybe do something with this and I had kind of uh, snowballed my small following into a much larger one at this time and that's when I started uh, looking into developing my own website and kind of building a platform for my pages to 
advertise and to make money because mm -hmm. I had I think 300,000 followers on social media at this time <laughs> and I was like how can I make money off of this and like yeah. I said it's the wild wild west like no one knows what to do I'm 18 or 19 years old here trying to corral like other teenagers and people in their early 20s and try to like build something I'm like okay if I do this like would you want to be a part of it can we use your following to help promote it so I started making a website used uh, you know wrote a lot of my own articles and then placed ads on it mm -hmm. and then using social media I was able to push that to millions of people around the world and uh, make and you know you a career a off of it student in the business yeah school yeah and you're doing business yeah you know exciting yeah I'm sure your teachers wanted to tap into your um expertise in some way i i wish but uh oh. it was actually um you know since i was really into entrepreneurship and i wanted to be kind of a bigger pic part of the picture of mizzou's entrepreneurship but it was kind of a you know it's I don't blame them, but it's something that a lot of people don't understand. You know, it's not something tangible. It's yeah. not a product. You know, people, I went, I did speak to the professor of entrepreneurship at Mizzou at the time, and I brought up the topic to him. I'm like, hey, I made $90,000 last month. Uh, <laughs> is there any way that uh, maybe I can do something with this? And, uh, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, you should uh, take my class. Uh, not to put down Mizzou in any way, of course, but, you know, I, I was definitely taken aback by that. And it gave me the mindset that, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, work and, you know, just stay silent, not tell anyone about it until the success shows itself. And that kind of, uh, you know, put me down a bit but you know I like I said it was not something that people understood at the time social yeah. media marketing was so new social media itself was new so the fact that you could make money off of it yeah. was like confusing to some people was something that people weren't familiar with mm -hmm. so you know when I went to speak to the professor and he was giving me examples he's like oh these guys are selling furniture they took my class and they have a website and I'm like yeah I have a website also and it made $90,000 last <laughs> month but again I don't blame anyone because even to myself it was confusing I didn't know what I was doing most of the time so to try to get someone who's from a completely different generation where phones didn't exist where social media didn't exist and try to tell him you see this little thing in my hand I can use it to make money and you know yeah. it's so uh, speaking of generations do you get labeled a millennial or you're a little after the millennial uh, I'm definitely I identify fully as a millennial. Oh. I will take all the criticism, all the blame, all the hate that comes with millennials because I think, you know, I love our generation. So uh, right. I will take everything that people have to s negative t to say about millennials. Well, I had to look up millennial mm -hmm. just to see, you know, is there some official cutoff point? <laughs> it was like maybe uh, if you were born before eight, 1986 to 96 or uh -huh. something in there. Yeah. Uh, so you were right in the. Yeah. You qualify. Uh huh. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and what do you understand that generation to? How, how do you describe your generation? I think we're a very confused generation. I will admit that. Um, so many crazy new things happened all at once like one year we're just riding our bikes around the neighborhood and the next year everyone's on AOL instant messenger everyone's on MySpace everyone is texting all the time mm -hmm. so it's like 
life happened fast you know changes happened really quickly like there's part of us that has this nostalgic feeling about the past and how we grew up but also i mean the future is in our hands like literally in our hands with our phones with social media and technology um so i think that we are you know a very we were definitely the first uh, generation to grow up with smartphones with mobile technology with mm -hmm. uh, internet accessible everywhere and social media so i think it is you know it's really hard to say what we can do with that mm -hmm. because you know what what was relevant five years ago might not be relevant in five years everything mm -hmm. keeps changing mm -hmm. um so we are definitely one generation that has to figure it out as we go i think that's like a plays a big part into what i do um because you have to really adapt to changes um you know for me stable careers are kind of i don't want to say a thing of the past because obviously stable careers will still exist but the industries are mm -hmm. changing so much because of right. technology mm -hmm. that you know stability is almost going to go out the window soon enough like people are getting freelance jobs because people aren't sure that what they're doing might exist in five years you know right. so companies don't want to invest in hiring people long term if they think that it's going to be obsolete in a few years like someone like me if i put all my eggs in one basket and focused on twitter mm -hmm. when twitter decided to you know <laughs> ban a lot of uh accounts that they considered as spam i took like a big blow because it was like a big general sweeping blow i lost close to a million followers and without any explanation it was just an instant permanent ban so if i had lost that and that was all that i had put my time and my oh, effort wow. and my money into i would like again be obsolete which is why to me and many millennials a lot of us pick up side hustles is what we call them uh -huh. like you have your job and then you have like two or three things on the side to make money whether it's like uber driving lyft driving mm -hmm. um you know, making money online, selling photos, stuff like that. Yeah, very adaptable. So uh -huh. as uh, some wise person said, you either adapt or perish. Yeah. And so your generation may be the ones that survive, whereas the ones that don't know how to mm -hmm. start a fire with, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, as an example, would perish. Yeah. Because... Things are changing rapidly, as mm -hmm. you say. Um, so, uh, Eli, we're going to take a short break. Okay. Uh, it's uh, about half past the hour. Uh, this is uh, Glocal News in Social Artistry, uh, where we talk to people building a more humane world from the inside out. And as you can see, Eli is uh, a, a younger generation example <laughs> of how that uh, is happening as we speak. So. Come back in a moment and we'll have more with Eli Solidum. Welcome back to Glocal News and Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and my guest today is Eli Solidum, uh, a 
an exciting conversation to me because I don't get, uh, Eli, your age group on the show as often as we need to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me say a little bit of what I mean. We're sort of having a civil war in this country right now. Mm. And the old uh, white plantation mentality (laughs) uh, is trying to hang on to the past in sort of a nostalgic way. Yeah. And yet the country is changing. Mm -hmm. And you are a perfect example of how the country is changing. And uh, this this war of words, this war of economics, of uh, politics, and so mm-hmm. on, uh, is going to play out, and uh, you're still going to be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, that older white uh, generation is getting older, mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't fool nature yeah. that way. So uh, I, I hope you're paying attention a bit to that whole even political mm-hmm. scene, because at some point that's going to be part of your responsibility yeah, of as well uh, so uh here you are uh, you're uh, an entrepreneur you're a traveler you're an adapter to the shifting everyday changes that are going on uh, not just in our country but in the world mm-hmm. um, you've traveled what 47 countries yeah 47 in, in article mm-hmm. so uh, uh We'd only have about 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Can you take however much time you want to impart some tidbits of wisdom of things you've seen around the world? Okay. And one thing that also comes to mind, my, my mind is just racing, is, uh, <laughs> is this shift that's going to be taking place with currency because uh, as Facebook is about to shift to digital yeah. currency uh, and you're an entrepreneur are uh-huh. you uh, are you shifting in your thoughts about how to handle your business in terms of uh, um bitcoin or uh you know whatever it might be yeah um speaking of bitcoin i i was there like not at the beginning but i was like you know it became huge in the social media like in the social media network that i was in because uh it was maybe a hundred dollars at that point and i like bought in and then it jumped up to twenty thousand, and that just kind of shows again how the internet right now is like i said before the wild wild west like no one knows what's going to happen Mm -hmm. like there's you know it's everything is very new now but eventually thing i think things will you know naturally go the way of how they're supposed to be Mm -hmm. Uh, it'll reach like an equilibrium and stuff and Mm -hmm kind of like on that uh point like you said uh how the global world is changing i think the world is kind of losing its boundaries both like physical borders and you know cultural borders Mm -hmm. that's one thing i've noticed is that i can go to pretty much any country in the world and not only adapt but have people welcome me and be interested in you know where i'm from what i'm doing um and my background so i think the world is definitely not as scary as everyone tries to make it seem mm-hmm. every time i uh tell people i'm going to another country people are like but is it safe there mm-hmm. like i was getting my haircut the other day i'm like oh i'm gonna go visit my sister in ecuador and you know the first question was like is it safe there with the migrant crisis and all of that stuff and you know i've 
hardly ever had any problems in almost 50 countries for over three years um and that's you know some people think that as a tourist you have a target on your back as someone that people target but the fact is not at all i mean most people won't even pay attention to you because again like people don't really mind who you know everyone's focused on their own lives that you know you're not as big of a part or a role in their lives as you think they are so i think um again the world is losing a lot of those borders that make us separate mm -hmm. than who we are um and people think that america is the only country people are migrating to um <laughs> that's one very false uh honestly you go to any country and you'll see lots of white people moving there like in thailand for example there are hundreds or thousands of expats that have moved there and it's like no one turns a eye to that because <laughs> you know they're white and they're wealthy and but it's something that, you know, as an immigrant myself who moved to America, and I feel like I integrated pretty perfectly into America, that was, uh, you know, it's not as difficult as people want to make it seem to be able to, you know, expand your worldview, expand your horizons, and become, uh, you know, the Missourian called me a global citizen. Um, and I think that's, you know, kind of an apt word for it, like... A lot of us should be global citizens because what happens across the world also affects us. You know, everything that goes on in the world doesn't mean that it's just restricted to that part of the world because eventually those repercussions are going to be felt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having the mindset that everyone in the world is someone that you should, you know, see as your brother is, I think, the mindset that people should have yeah. because, um, you know, as again to go back to the whole travel thing the whole partying traveler persona uh back then it was you know all about getting drunk and stuff but then again it changed my worldview the more i traveled mm -hmm. there was this one time in uh thailand where i was just sitting with uh this guy from the netherlands and it was just maybe you know the hot topic around the world whenever i go anywhere and people find out i'm an american is obviously trump our mm -hmm. politics mm -hmm. and you know the netherlands was going through something around that time also and me and him were just sitting at the bar complete strangers never talked to each other before and he said something along like we were just kind of lamenting about uh politics and he said well there's nothing we can do about it and then like two seconds later he's like well we can we can sit here have a beer and be friends and that was you know something that stuck with me through the years is you know a lot of us we think of each other as different because we come from different places because we have different identities different nationalities mm -hmm. different upbringings different backgrounds but the fact is like we are all you know we will always be able to find similarities with one another mm -hmm. um you know you like you said you were much older than i am i'm much younger than you are we come from different generations and here we are just like talking as if we've been friends forever mm -hmm. and you know so yes um you might have caught when I introduced the show that I was speaking to friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> when you say global citizen, I is, is like, oh, yeah, we're <laughs> the same family. <laughs> yes, exactly. As yeah. we all should be. That was cool. So you've gone south. You, you've been in Antarctica? No, I haven't been to Antarctica. Oh, I thought in the article... It, Antarctica and Australia are the last two of my oh, frontiers. the ones you hadn't yeah, been. Yeah. Okay, I misread that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but South America is going through turmoil uh, somewhat. You mentioned 
people migrating. Yeah. You've got to Venezuela having issues, yeah. and so people moving down to Brazil mm -hmm. or over to Colombia. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you were in uh, Peru. Yeah. I was in Peru in 1964 uh -huh. when the... Uh, Indians were coming down from the mountains, and Lima had a hut city built all <laughs> around the borders for miles. Uh, so this migration has been going on in various ways for mm -hmm. what over fifty years, yeah, uh, and still going on. Mm -hmm. How did you, how did you handle, let's just say, Peru? You, I guess, what flew into Lima or you yeah, I flew into Lima uh -huh. and um, then how's I've, it doing? Um, I didn't spend much time in Lima, maybe like three or four days. And where I stayed was uh, the Miraflores district, which is kind of the more cosmopolitan part of uh, the city, mm -hmm. kind of where the travelers go. What what time of the year were you there? I was there in October of 2016. So October is when the cloud cover starts to leave, and the sun comes out. Um, like I said, I wasn't there okay. much. Uh, you see it was very cloudy when I was there, though. Cloud cover yeah. In Lima itself. Uh -huh. So uh, I didn't know that, <laughs> when I went that month. So uh, anyway, so you went up over the mountain to uh, uh, yeah, Machu Picchu? I, yeah, I took a plane over to Cusco and then did the Machu Picchu thing. That, this was, again, like very introductory. Like this was my first backpacking trip. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I hadn't quite figured myself out as a traveler yet mm -hmm. so for me back then it was still you know about uh seeing all the things uh making all the friends um you know drinking every night that mm -hmm. kind of stuff so i unfortunately don't uh didn't experience much of uh you know what was going on in uh, peru i was kind of in my own little backpacker bubble so okay. I don't know uh, exactly how much I can speak to sure. how the immigration things are going down there. Yeah. I do remember, you know, I loved Cusco because of how many different cultures there were. You know, you had wow. the Quechua people. You could be walking down the street. You see mm -hmm. tourists from every country you could think of because Cusco is just one of the most popular destinations the in the Quechua world. Quechua still have the white hat? Um, they are, yeah, they have, you, you, you'll know when you see them because they have their... Uh, traditional uh, attire mm -hmm. walking down the street mm -hmm. i think sometimes honestly they do it just to become a tourist attraction yeah. they walk around with their alpacas and their costumes and then you know they offer people pictures but mm -hmm. it's you know it's cool to see so many different cultures in just such a small place i think they call it the city of the tres culturas because you know you have uh, the Quechua, the Inca, and the Spanish colonization there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it shows that a lot of cultures can mesh pretty easily into one place. Right, right. So, have you developed a favorite country? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, I'd say, you know, when people ask me, each country is so different. Uh -huh. um, each country has something different that they bring to the table. I think Peru is definitely up there because I love the mountains. I love just being up there by myself and just enjoying the views. South Africa, you know, I went when I went to South Africa, I was kind of tentative a bit, but it ended up being Cape Town is my favorite city in the world. And then once I left Cape Town, 
it was like the entire country pretty much uh, was so welcoming, so much friendlier than I could have imagined. Um, you hear sometimes a lot of bad things about South Africa, especially even from South Africans themselves, like, oh, the government is corrupt, oh, it's not safe here. But it ended up being, you know, one of my best travel experiences. I did get my phone stolen in Johannesburg, Ooh. but aside from that, I mean, it was, I couldn't even be mad about it at the time because at the time it was, uh, we were on a night out with these about 30 or 40 people that I had met at a festival and you know at the time it was New Year's and I had no idea what to plan for New Year's I was like oh man this is my first New Year's alone like by myself traveling solo and then this guy I actually met in Peru he's South African and he was back home for the holidays so he messaged me he's like hey we're gonna go to this festival and that was that so that ended up kind of being a small those three days were like a small microcosm of what South Africa was for me mm -hmm. it was like the most welcoming uh, family I had ever been a part of they have a term for it there called Ubuntu which is just kind of like shared humanity and it was like you know I'm an outsider by every means of the word here but I had never felt out of place I'd never felt you know like I was a traveler I always felt like I was taken into family after family everywhere I went so on my computer at home I have a number of opens on my uh, <laughs> uh, internet, and one of them is an article on Ubuntu. Yeah. Uh, uh, describing relationships and how mm -hmm. there's a cultural way of looking at people. Yeah. Uh, that's different. That we look at it more as a community rather than just as you mentioned earlier about the individualism of, mm -hmm. of America. There's there's more of a Mm -hmm. what's what's for the good of the people exactly of the, of the community exactly yeah. that's very interesting <laughs> yeah you probably didn't experience the drought though um so i was in cape town during the drought and there was definitely a lot of restrictions but i think where we were staying in cape town you know again it's honestly not even as much about water shortage as much as it was kind of like inequality between classes because right. you know the wealthy could build their own private reservoirs and mm -hmm. keep it to themselves so there's no water restriction for the wealthy there's no water restriction for tourists but then you know the people that actually do feel it are mm -hmm. the ones that don't have the money to build their own reservoir but mm -hmm. yeah a different kind of apartheid mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i was i mean especially with apartheid happening so recently, recently in africa yeah. um you know, I talk to people and they're like, you know, I'm going to have to die. My my grandchildren will have to die and their grandchildren will have to die for all the scars of apartheid to finally mm -hmm. heal. So, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that lasts for a long time. Generations. Yeah. yeah. Did you make it to Nepal? No, that's definitely on my list. Uh -huh. I think, you know, that right now the focus is uh, kind of get in better shape in South America, do a lot of hiking there, and then maybe work my way up to Nepal. Because mm -hmm. um, beyond just Everest and all that stuff, I mean, I don't have plans to hike Everest, but beyond the mountains, you know, Nepal has a beautiful culture from what I've heard mm -hmm. from people. Back to South Africa, I just had the memory that Mizzou has a relationship yeah. with a school there in South Africa. Did, did you know that? Um... Uh, uh, Dr. Malfatti was on my show last. D did you know Gabriel Malfatti when you were doing your exchange program? No, I don't She's think I did. She's in the education department, okay. so I probably didn't have to uh, do that. But she's in the international connection uh -huh. part of it. So uh, anyway, uh, just to <laughs> you, I, I, what I'm picturing is somehow Mizzou 
realizing what a resource you are <laughs> and inviting you back to uh i don't know build bridges or, yeah. or i've done a few talks at mizzou but um the last one was about two years ago before i like fully committed to the nomadic lifestyle i mean i love coming back to columbia so i don't want to have sit. you been to the bridge uh, at mizzou there's a new relatively new uh place called the bridge no i haven't actually would you look it up okay and, uh bop over there in <laughs> one of the buildings i forget the name of the building that it's in okay and it's a it's a place for folks to uh, sort of do what you're doing but you are now the wise <laughs> returning uh, graduate that's come back and and i think you have some wonderful things to share yeah with, uh, with not only the students but with the the teachers and mm -hmm. staff that are yeah i'll definitely it. have to look into that I've, yeah. i wish that was around when i was there <laughs> i'll try to give you some names if you okay if you have any difficulty i don't i don't think you're going to have a <laughs> moment of difficulty as uh the way you work with your phone <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh You've been to Europe. You've been to South Africa. You, what about Northern Africa? Um, Morocco. I have. I have yet to go to Northern Africa. I did once stop in Tunisia for on like a cruise stop, but mm -hmm. honestly, I didn't even leave the port because back then I was like very new to traveling and I was overwhelmed by like all the taxi drivers screaming my name and I was like, oh no! And I just went back to the ship because I was like yeah. young and kind of scared. I hadn't really had my experiences with uh, travel at that point, but you know. Africa is right now one of my biggest goals, like to do a proper expedition through like um, from South Africa up to Kenya and then mm -hmm. loop back down. Mm -hmm. But you know, Northern Africa, I haven't I haven't touched that part of the world yeah. yet. Your most recent was Barcelona, then. Um, I Sri Lanka. I was actually there oh. during uh, the terrorist attacks on Easter, and oh, like wow. by far that was the scariest uh, moment I've ever had while traveling because um, we didn't know the extent of it at the time. We were sitting in a cafe about an hour and a half away from where everything was going on. Mm. And we heard there were bombings, but we thought they were like contained. We thought it was okay, a church got bombed. So we finished our you know breakfast and then we went to the beach and it was like a secluded beach. So I had no cell signal or anything. And then when we got back, that's when we realized just how crazy everything had been going. Uh, my friends had to fly out that night, but no drivers would even come close to the airport. So they had to miss their flight. There was a police curfew at uh, 6 p.m. So people couldn't leave even that night at all mm. uh social media was shut down facebook instagram whatsapp so most people had no way of contacting me and i didn't really know the extent of it at the time until you know i saw that tourists were being targeted uh christians were being targeted um and i forgot the death toll but it was something close to like 300 dead over 500 injured mm -hmm. and you know that really was scary i would be walking down the street and every time a car passed me i would be like this is it like this could be a bomb this could be you know i'm a tourist and it was you know kind of in hindsight like a silly thing to think but also that anxiety was through the roof at oh, that yeah. point but you know besides that sri lanka was quickly became one of my favorite countries mm -hmm. and my favorite part of that was how many religions cultures and everything just kind of meshed together in harmony until that attack um you know i was hiking this mountain at sunrise called sripada which is believed to be the footprint of uh who is he? the footprint of buddha ah. by the buddhist then believed to be the footprint of uh shiva by the hindus uh, believed to be the footprint of uh 
Adam by the Christians and uh, the Muslims and probably believed to be the footprint of like the guy who invented Instagram for all of us <laughs> tourists. So <laughs> it was a place where all of like people from every background were meshing together oh perfectly. And I remember like, you know, I actually like cried when I was up there because I was like, this is what mm -hmm. traveling is about, like struggling through this terrible hike. But, you know, being encouraged by people who don't even speak the same language as you all along the way, like you know just even a small smile as you're passing them up there was mm -hmm. you know what traveling is about to me so what a metaphor for life though yeah. too, really we, definitely we, we're finding it to be a struggle often and, mm -hmm. and when that ubuntu uh, yeah takes place the global ubuntu <laughs> the community of, of, that seemed to be strangers but yeah exactly no longer strangers mm -hmm. So is that a, a message uh, to impart to the young people as well as us oldies? Uh? Yeah, I think that is, you know, for me, that's the overarching uh, what I got most from traveling is the people I meet beyond the sights I see. It's all about, you know, the being part of a community that you don't think you belong in, but that accepts you anyway. And mm -hmm. it's you know, breaking down those barriers. Like, I'm not gonna act like I'm some sort of activist that breaks down like global barriers, but it is, you know, with my small audience that I have, like, it is nice getting messages from people that send me DMs and, like, you inspired me to take a trip that I had been fearing for a while, or, you know, even something as small as you inspired me to leave my house today to take pictures of something I wanted to do for a long time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, using my platform however small it may be is you know beyond just sharing my stories but it's also kind of hoping to encourage others to view the world the same way so right here in Colombia this world view is attempting to grow uh-huh uh, there are people that would like to see yeah. Colombia be yeah. a community that sees the community in a uh-huh more fluid way of we're all yeah. relatives we're all yeah i think colombia is definitely the best place in missouri to see this happening mm -hmm. i always joke with my like uh friends that i meet abroad that like colombia is kind of the perfect microcosm of america mm -hmm. because it's in missouri but you have you know a various uh array of world views just in this small town mm -hmm. um you know people that come from all over the country people that come from you know, Mizzou, especially people that uh, come from Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, and then they're forced to hang out with people from small towns in Texas, Oklahoma. So people have mm -hmm. come into college with very different worldviews, and then they come out with what they take out of it. Like if you only identify with the people that look like you, that um, believe like you, that think like you, then you're going to come out of college the same person. But, you know, college is about growth. College is about expanding who... Um, who you know, who you become friends with, and mm -hmm. kind of realizing that the world and Mizzou and everyone around you isn't as different from you as people would like you to believe. Mm -hmm. Well, in your future and in your travels, please keep KOPN in mind <laughs> of course. as a platform that you may see someday, hey, I could have a podcast, mm. and uh, like the, the show just before this is a podcast, pre-recorded, interview, and... <laughs> so uh, as as adapt adept and adaptable as you are with such a wonderful viewpoint I, I just I see you being an asset a resource for, <laughs> for a lot of good things for us here uh, in Colombia as well as the rest of the world yeah. and 
by the way, how many followers do you have now? Um, so since <laughs> if I you lost a million. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, on Instagram right now, which is where I kind of uh, put a lot of my focus onto, because it's you know the best platform to share pictures, share your stories with travels. Mm -hmm. So um, on there, I have over fifty thousand just on my travel account, but. Overall, I still have about three million on Twitter, mm -hmm. and um, another fifty or so thousand lying around on Instagram through various uh, accounts. Yeah. So there's an outreach. Yeah. yeah, and I also have my blog, which has like five hundred thousand readers, which is uh, where I. What is your blog? Please let us. Know. <laughs> so, like I said, I m uh, made it back when I was twenty-one and kind of had a much narrower worldview. So it's thepartyingtraveler.com. Um, and my Instagram handle is at the partying traveler. Um, I've been leaning towards changing it to be something more uh, mature and more personal. But at the same time, I think that there's just so much meaning behind that, that, you know, uh, capturing the social aspect of traveling, like very few people on these platforms focus on the social aspect of traveling. A lot of people focus on, oh, here's the most beautiful picture I could Photoshop of ta the Taj Mahal or Machu Picchu mm -hmm. and you know for me it's like I'm not the best photographer I'm not the best writer but I try to be real I try to be genuine and authentic mm -hmm. and share like those heartfelt like stories of travel that inspire me and hopefully inspire other people so mm -hmm. I think that keeping it the partying traveler is kind of a uh, you know it may look unprofessional but it, to me it does kind of capture the uh that mindset like i said before with that dutch guy in bangkok um yeah. you know we can sit here have a beer and be friends and deep down you could say that about anyone from any country you could take any person and sit down have a drink with them and all of a sudden you can be you know your world becomes a bit bigger and your worldview becomes a bit wider because of that beer that you just shared with a stranger mm -hmm. so well, I'll tell you what, Eli, let's go have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit early, but... <laughs> We've got, yeah, it is. got to close up, but it's been such a pleasure, and I hope to talk with you some more yeah. later on. And folks, we've got to go. Uh, so remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it, because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care. Talk to you soon. <laughs>